The Feel Nuts. Episode 145. The one where we get arrested for running around and nailing pieces of paper to doors. The Feel Nuts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theoformers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are The Theonauts! Hi there, David. Hey there, Jeremiah. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Good. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. What are we doing? I don't know. I just thought I'd get energetic all of a sudden. October 2017. As uh, as we like to call it, Oktoberfest. (laughs) No, that's not true. Actually... Welcome to Reformation, Reformation Month. Yes. We're super excited about this, by the yes. way. Celebrating the 500th year That's right. of the Reformation. Woohoo! Of Protestantism. Of, Protestant, the th- of protesting some things. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not partaking tonight. I'm just befuddled on all my words. I don't know what my deal is. But yes, we are protesting and celebrating it. Yeah. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> Catholic Church. Brothers and sisters. Go to my room. Start my own church. I'm gonna be the new Pope. (laughs) Dead gummit. Oh man. So we're off to a good start. We are. So we uh, we're doing this thing in our church because it's the 500th year of the Reformation, Mm -hmm. where we are going to David and I are preaching through the five solas. Now this isn't a huge uh, original idea. No one's ever done this before. Nobody's ever done this. 500 years, man. It's been a long time coming. Yes, it has. Gee whiz. You'd you'd think somebody would have thought of that by now, right? Yeah. Well, uh, this definitely isn't. I've been been, uh, online checking out other uh, churches and podcasts and stuff. John Piper's (laughs) doing it right now. The the five solos, uh uh-huh. Or his his people are, Desiring God are. Yeah. And I mean, just a whole bunch of other people. people. Yeah, his... His little clique. His reformed people. His reformed people. And so we are doing the same thing at our church. We're mm-hmm. going to preach because there's five Sundays in October. Perfect. Why not do the five solas and end up with a big old Reformation party? And we've talked about having this gigantic Reformation party where we're going to dress up as monks and we're going to brew Reformation beer. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> we're going to... Uh, we're going to uh, have a grand old time uh, celebrating our rebellion. <laughs> Which doesn't even nice. sound sound even better. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of excited about that, right? Yeah, that's awesome. It's been cool. So how's your week been? So far, so good. Yeah, it's been busy, but that's okay. I spent all day today in a conference room in a hotel. Woo! So fun. Oh yes, yay! Just love those. But at least they provided uh, breakfast and lunch. Yeah. So. Did you get any artwork done? Usually in those artwork. meetings, oh, I just yeah, draw. I scribbled. I did. I did scribble a little bit. Yeah. You know? You make anything interesting? No, I'm, I'm actually trying to work out some designs for. Um, uh, Riley sent me a contest for, uh, you know, they're into disc golf. Yes, Riley and Kevin are, and uh, so there's a company called Infinite Disc that produces these yes. disc golf discs, 
And uh, they're having a, a contest, a design contest uh, for 2018. And so Riley <laughs> sent me this, and he's like, you need to, you need to submit some designs to the, this contest. And I was like, okay, if I have time, I'll do it. And then Kevin comes in, and he's like, no, you got to do that. The, the prize is like $300 gift certificate to <laughs> Infinite Disc. And I've got to have that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin so, wants you to win him an Infinite Disc. I, yeah, I guess so. Thing. so. That's awesome. I'm like, well, who's to say? I'm not going to exactly. use that. Right. Whatever. Well, you know, I, uh, I've been thinking, and we ought to come up with our own designs for some, some Christian discs. Like cool. to hit that niche. Yeah. So we call I don't know the Is there a Christian disc golf niche? I don't know, maybe. I mean you and I play disc golf and we're Christians. Yeah. There you go. There's yeah. our niche. Maybe we should design some for ourselves. Oh, yeah. But I mean you you think about it, there oh, there's be... all kinds of circular designs too that you the Cairo. Oh and... I know, yeah. If we you know, the Cairo <laughs> could be kind of our katana and Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that uh the Martin Luther could be the uh the uh the putter. It's just heavy and weighty, you know, and fat. And then then we can have uh, the Wycliffe be our mid-range. Yeah, when yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work right, you end up burning it. Exactly. It's great. It's great. Did any of them die from drowning? We could do like a, a floater. <laughs> Anyways, we're way off the rails tonight. I don't know what our deal is, yeah. but uh, we'll get it back. Sp- speaking of Kevin, he is off watching Blade Runner right now. It opens tonight. Oh, that's awesome. The Blade Runner 2049. Or Are you whatever. excited? I, I kind of am now after reading reviews. I was on the fence. Well, okay, so I watched I watched the trailer, and it looks like nothing but a... <clears throat> an action flick. An action flick. I know, and that really bummed me out. Right. But I think it's false advertising. Really? Based on what I'm reading in the... Uh, because today's moviegoers aren't going to go eat, see anything that's not action-packed and thrilling and well, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's all Avengers and, right. and superhero movies. You know, it's like the existential studies about humanity and all that, which is what the original Blade Runner was. Like, it's... What's his famous... I've seen things you've never seen before. <laughs> I've seen a... What is it? The people dying on the shifts off of... On the shores of Orion. Orion. <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> All those memories will be lost like, like tears, tears in the, the rain. rain. Yeah. That's good. As he dies. <coughs> and the dove flies. Such a... I love, I love Blade Runner. It's like one of my favorite, all-time favorite movies. It's full of symbolism. And Spoiler alert. I fell asleep while we were watching that movie. <laughs> well, it is very... Do you remember that? I yeah. fell asleep. I felt really bad because you're like, you wanted to show me this thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, no. Well, we did watch it late, yeah, and it is a very—it's slow dr- developing. It, yeah, it's very um, like droning. Yeah, like there's this hum that happens in the background almost all the time. It never gets very loud. Right. It's just you know, uh, there's rain falling all the time. It's a very soothing movie. Vangelis music playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's just you know, but. Uh, the thing I just love about it is that it's this—it's just looking like the humans in the in the story are not really the good guys. Like, oh no! Like uh, Harrison Ford's character is not the good guy of the story. No, they're slavers, aren't they? <clears throat> More or less, but well, it's you know they're androids that they're dealing with. Sure, but the the androids actually live life and they have emotions and, and have emotions, whereas all the humans are very droll. You know, they're very they're. It's, it's it's about living. 
Right. And it's about what does it mean to be human? Like what is, you know, your experiences is what makes you human. And sure. And so anyways, it's really cool existential study. And so whenever I heard they were making a sequel, I'm thinking, okay. What can they do? Yeah, I, I don't know. How can they screw <clears throat> this up? <laughs> but at least the the reviewers are saying that it's very true to that, you know, yeah. it's kind of an old-fashioned sci-fi flick. You know, sci-fi flicks used to be very intellectual. Now they're like, no. you know, laser guns and fighting. Sure. Because <laughs> that's what sells, right? <laughs> yeah. More shallow, an inch deep and a mile wide. and Yeah. Have fun. But anyway, I'm waiting to hear his take on it. I mean, seriously, like for me, the Ninja Turtles were absolutely so <laughs> deep and <laughs> philosophical. And now, I mean, it's just basically yeah. Transformers. The Green News. Yeah. Just, I'm just, they don't make that stuff anymore, no, man. No. But that first movie was absolutely amazing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Still my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I'm joking. Wow. All right. Um, so are we ready to jump Let's into this? Let's do this. So as is a theme which is developing among our podcasts, we are using our sermons yes. to uh, as fodder for our podcast, which is it's kind of nice to do that because you know you prepare it and then you're ready. But uh, I feel like it's kind of cheating somewhat. But these these <laughs> these are different. It's not really cheating though. No, I kind of <laughs> I don't know. These are different for me because these are. This is very interesting. We've kind of we've covered a lot of this, especially in the uh, history episodes. Mm-hmm. If you go back way in time, I don't know. It was around t- episode twenty, between the twenties and thirties. It was right? less than a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go back way in time to our early Theonauts I- adventures, and we adventured through Christian history, and so a lot of this does have to do with Christian mm-hmm. history, especially the Reformation, and it being the 500th year. So we decided to do through the uh, the five solas. And uh, um, so the solas are written out in, in an order. And the reason they're written out in an order, and we'll get to this later, is because it kind of almost makes one complete statement about the gospel whenever mm-hmm. it's, it's finished. Or about salvation. About salvation, <clears throat> yeah. And so it's... Um, and I won't even use the Latin terms it's by grace alone through faith uh alone in christ alone uh, as revealed by the scriptures alone uh to the glory of god alone right right and so um today we are going to be focusing on that first sola um sola gratia and um as i studied this um earlier on and you know revisit it all the time um it is absolutely essential to understand for, I believe, uh, Christian salvation to understand the truth about um, how it is that we are saved. Yeah. What exactly is grace exactly. and how does it work? Exactly. <clears throat> and, uh, and why is it important that it is alone? Yes. And, and you know, I, I hear a lot of, of people say, well, you know, it's very dangerous to start using this word alone because the Bible will say, you know, well, by this you're saved or by this you're saved. And you could, if you, you could take the quote unquote sum of scriptures that say those types of things and say, well, you're saved by blood, by grace, by faith, <laughs> by baptism, by, baptism, by and just any number sure. of, of works. And you just, the list just gets really, really long. Right. A confession. Right. <clears throat> There's many statements in there that says what we're saved by. But the, the point there 
being, though, that a lot of these are talking about the same concept, even though they're using different words and stuff. So by the blood of Jesus is by grace. Right. Like that is by that is grace. Sure. Because you didn't earn the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, it was a gift. Yes. Uh, unmerited, which is grace. <laughs> right. So, so <clears throat> you know, um, and if you look at the, the whole narrative of, if you take scripture in the whole narrative, and I'm talking from beginning to end, like from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you see a pattern of grace alone emerging. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to take all those um, as a reference. Instead of pinpointing little verses, taking scripture as a whole and looking at the the truth. What is the theme of of the Bible? Exactly. And so... Because it really is the theme of the Bible. Yes. I mean, grace is everywhere. It's from the flood. Right. The very it, Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? Grace, grace. Like the Noah didn't like earn his trip onto the ark, right? I mean, fast forward and you have Abrahamic covenant, which is a unilateral covenant, which mm -hmm. is all about God's grace and God disobeyed the very first thing God <laughs> told him to do: leave this land exactly. and don't take anyone with you. Well, I'm going to take, take my, Lot. I'm going to take my nephew. I'll take everybody, but uh, or I won't take anybody, but Lot can come along <laughs> with me. And you know, so. Uh, it's definitely by grace, and, and the New Testament has a lot to say about the Abraham's faith in that grace, and so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about faith next week. But I really want to pinpoint this word grace and and uh, and talk about it. So a brief history of sola gra uh, gratia, um, which is the Latin phrase, sola gratia. Mm -hmm. Now, these five solas, even though they are rooted in the Reformation, they don't start appearing until later. Um, Martin Luther uses basically three solas originally. Mm -hmm. He used by grace alone through faith in Christ, which was his biggest uh, point. No, in Scripture. By grace alone uh, through faith by Scripture. Okay? Um, but this concept of sola gratia, it goes way back to early Christianity. In fact, uh, one of the biggest controversies in the church, um, one of the original controversies in the church, were between these two um, priests or pastors monks. or monks or <clears throat> whatever you want to call them. The first was Pelagius, and the second was Augustine. Um, and they each had their followers, and they were they were big around the time of the 500s, uh, 450s to 500s. And so um, Augustine was big on this concept of grace, in fact. Um, if you ever read his works, his, his biggest, most famous work is uh, his Confessions, yeah. right? Which everybody knows, Augustine's Confessions, where he basically confesses. Uh, it's it's he's one of the originators of the the uh, my testimony. This is my test, my personal testimony of how God yeah. took me out of disgusting things and and uh, converted me um, and changed me and made me a new man. And so that that's his theme. And uh, part of that theme is his concept that man is completely and totally unable. Um, to glorify God in his natural state, which is in the fallen nature. And so one of his famous statements was, Lord, command what you will and grant what you command. And we've read that on here before, but basically what he's saying here is, tell me what you want me to do and then allow me the ability to actually do it because I can't do it on my own. Yeah. This is what he's saying. Um, Pelagius 
took offense to that. And Pelagius basically said, no, I, I don't see that. We're created in the image of God, which is absolutely true. He's right. Um, but we are created apart from the sin nature. He didn't see Adam's sin um, coming down and being bestowed upon us. Mm-hmm. So he didn't see us being born with a sinful nature. Right. Um, and that so, man is inherently good right. until he screws up. Exactly. So there was a big debate. Well, okay, <laughs> so what is the nature of man? Is the nature of man inherently good? Or is the nature of man inherently evil? And what does that have to do with grace? Well, it has to do with a, a, a lot with grace. But in the Council of Orange, and this is 529 AD, and this is the, the Catholic Church at this point, Um, they confirmed that salvation is by grace alone, and they actually stated that. And the reason they did is because they upheld Augustine's view, his principle that man is inherently evil, that man is born into a sin nature. Um, They upheld um, Scripture's take on the nature of man. Right. Um, And everybody that didn't uphold that was deemed a Pelagian. Uh, Pelagian heretic. <laughs> so uh, there's that whole, you know, where that came from. Anyways, so fast forward a thousand years. Okay, now we're in the 1500s, and uh, some crazy things going on in the church. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the Dark Ages happening. Yes, here. the Dark Ages happening. So what had <laughs> happened, um, Rome... It becomes basically the leader of of Christianity, mm-hmm. and not only Christianity, they are the leader of the known world, um, and so uh, they are the seat of religious and governmental power. Pope it has ultimate authority. Um, the papal authority is a big deal uh, to to Catholicism. So Rome falls, but the Pope stands, um, and Christianity is spread throughout the world. Uh, but it's but it's a form of Christianity that takes on a lot different shape and picture than the original gospel um, yeah. of, of the the Bible, and the reason that is, for the most part, is because people don't have they don't have the Bible. The Bible. The, the Bible was translated into Latin in in 400 AD, right? And it stayed in Latin and only Latin for a thousand years. Yes, even though Latin became a dead language, nobody used it except if you were a priest. Mm-hmm. You uh, you didn't learn Latin. You weren't taught Latin in school. Um, unless you were going into the papacy. And so, um, basically, the Pope um, and the cardinals, the church leaders, would dictate what it meant to be a Christian to the rest of the church. Um, Now, that's kind of a dangerous thing, Mm -hmm. um, because you're giving the key, basically, quote-unquote, the keys to heaven to humans who are... Naturally fallible, so there there were a lot of things that started happening. The, the number one thing is you had to um, attend mass. Salvation was found in the rites of the mass uh, of the in the uh, in, sacraments. In, yeah, in the seven sacraments. Mm-hmm. If you did not partake of these seven sacraments, then you weren't a Christian, um, and that was a big deal because. Mass was performed in Latin, so they didn't even know what they were saying, anyways. Mm-hmm. Right, so they yeah. didn't understand it, but they knew that you know they they had to take the body and the bread and all this stuff, the, the communion, and be baptized in the Catholic Church. And in or, the in the latter parts of the um, of the first millennium, too, 
the, the, even the priests didn't understand. Like they had gotten so complacent, the priests weren't even learning Latin. No, Latin. they just learned. They were just they were mimicking reading it. That's right, but they, they didn't actually know what they were reading. They were parrots, mm-hmm. pretty much, just performing these rituals. And they believe these rituals had this power to to sanctify you. Well, some corruption got in there, too. Um, Some major corruption. Um, A couple big ones, the icons. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you, for example, um, wanted to knock a thousand years off of your purgatory stay, you would travel to Rome and you would go and visit uh, John the Baptist's head. Right? Yeah. And you would go up to the head and you would give money to the priest who was standing there. Then you would say five Hail Marys and you were absolved from a thousand years in purgatory. Right? And so basically it all became this weights, checks, and balances system. Right? Mm -hmm. So how many times I sin is how many years I get in purgatory and to burn off those sins. Right? But if I do all these religious works and these religious acts, I can cut my time in half. Right? If I I can get out on good behavior, basically, (laughs) is the idea. And so... Commute the sentence. Right. In this... uh, Into this system, the other... Big one was indulgencies, selling of indulgencies was a lot like icons. Mm. Um, for example, one of the one of the biggest ones. So the Pope wanted to build a basilica, which is this beautiful, <coughs> beautiful chapel in Rome. If you ever go there, I've never been. I've always wanted to go and check it out. It's pretty neat. Um, absolutely, I mean everything's gold encrusted, and it's the highest epoch of architecture at this time. The Pope wanted to build it, but he, they didn't have any money. So what do they do? Well, the Pope grants an edict for an indulgence that says that if you give money for this building or give the money to the, the church, um, then he will absolve you of your stay in purgatory or your relative stay. Say you have an uncle who just recently died and you want to get him out of purgatory <laughs> and into heaven, you could buy this indulgence. And you could spring them from purgatory into heaven. Now, again, none of this is found in in the Bible. None of it. But they didn't know that because they didn't have the Bible. And so, um, into this system is born a man by the name of Martin Luther um, mm-hmm. and others mm-hmm. at all. There there were a lot of different reformers. Yeah. Martin Luther's the one we... Wycliffe actually predates him. Yes, quite a bit. But... Uh... He didn't cause the stir that Martin Luther caused, That's so right. everyone kind of turned a blind eye to it until after Martin Luther came along. Then they dug Wycliffe right. up and burned him. So there were <laughs> there was a lot of animosity going on uh, at the Catholic Church at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, factions were breaking off. Uh, the German government, uh, well, there were a lot of vassal kings that were basically sick and tired of Rome's rule. Yeah. So Martin was born into this system, and Martin uh, Luther, if you ever study his life, it's really cool. The guy struggled his whole early life um, with this idea of he wasn't good enough. Right. He couldn't cut it. He would lock himself in rooms and beat himself mm-hmm. because of this this feeling. Because of guilt. His, yeah, it was absolute guilt, and he hated it, and he never read the New Testament. And so they sent him to Wittenberg, Wittenberg and he became the uh, um, one of the the professors of theology there. 
And it was during that time that he actually studied the New Testament for the first time and was blown away by what it had to say compared to what the church was doing. Yeah. And he, he saw that this isn't right, that this thing's not going on. Well, uh, especially at this time um, was the building of the Basilica. There was a famous guy by the name of Johann Tetzel, who was another monk who was going around and earning these indulgences, and he had a famous slogan, with every coin in the coffer that rings, another soul from Purgatory Springs. And this really just pissed Martin Luther off. I mean, this guy, he finally, he had enough. And so he, he looks back and he sees that, you know, we've confirmed that salvation is by grace alone, and it's really the linchpin for for Luther's whole argument, yeah. this whole idea of salvation is by grace. It's something that we cannot earn. We can't buy an indulgence to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do. So October 31st, 1517, um, the the uh, the myth is, or not myth, but the legend. the legend is Martin Luther took his 95 thesis, which is basically a list of 95 things he saw that were corrupt in the church, mm-hmm. and he posted it to the Wittenberg church uh, door. Now, this wasn't some big objection at first. Um, this was a natural thing. Actually, people posted stuff on the Wittenberg door all the time. It was a, a place to post stuff. It was kind of right. like the community bulletin <laughs> board. And he posted this, and it was an objection. So they got a, there were some printer, printers that got a hold of this, printed it out, sent it out, and it became this huge uh, revolution against workspace salvation, basically. So, all that to ask the question... And if you ever want to read what his 95 theses were, you can find them very easily. They're online. I'm looking at a, a website here where it just lists them. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it's not really applicable today. Right. Uh, it's very specific to the, time the Catholic Church at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, here's number 43 that kind of fits into what you were talking about. Number 43 says, Christians are to be taught that he who gives to the poor or lends to the needy does a better deed than he who buys indulgences. Yes. <laughs> that was a big deal for him because he looked around and see all, he, he would see all these poor people that didn't have a dime to their name who were living in dirt, destitute, completely broken and unable to fend for themselves. And then they would go to the church and put every sent they had and give it to building Rome up um, and letting the Pope live a lavish lifestyle um, because they thought that it would earn them salvation. Yeah. See, a lot of these are tied directly to this kind of, uh, number 44, because love grows by works of love, man thereby becomes better. Man does not, however, become better by means of indulgences, but is merely freed from penalties. <laughs> it's interesting. That's great. So uh, the big question then comes back to this idea of total depravity because grace hinges on this question. This is a quote from Luther. So he, and this is uh, Martin Luther talking about Paul in Titus 3, 5 through 7, says, discards all boasting, uh, all boasted free will, all human virtue, righteousness, and good works. He concludes that they are nothing and wholly perverted, however brilliant worthy may, they may appear, and teaches that we must be saved solely by the grace of God, which is effective for all believers who desire it from a corrupt, 
concept, uh, conception of their own ruin and nothingness. So what is the human condition? Human condition. The human condition, according to Scripture, is total depravity. And we can look at the evidence mm-hmm. wherever we want. Um, the heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. Uh, in sin did my mother conceive me. This is David uh, in Psalm 51 after dealing with the whole Bathsheba debacle. Yeah. Uh, this is a man after God's own heart mm-hmm. saying, in sin did my mother conceive me. That's a big statement right there. Yeah. I was born into it. Psalm 51 is the whole statement of, about grace, by the way. Right. Like, just read the whole psalm. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool that a guy in that time frame understood grace. Like grace. Like he understood that that's what God's all about. And the very last part yeah. of that psalm says, if you wanted sacrifices, if that was what you need you needed from me, I would do it. But I understand that real sacrifice to you is a broken, broken and contrite heart. heart. Yeah. That you will not despise. And that's what allowed David to go and enter the, you know, and eat the showbread and chill out. Because he got that, you know? It was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you were dead in your trespasses. That's Paul talking to Ephesians 2. Dead. That's a weighty word right there. Mm-hmm. What can a dead man do? Nothing, right? right? The mindset on flesh cannot obey God's law, Romans 8 and 7. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. The actual word for that is minstrel rags, if you mm-hmm. actually go and look yep. at the original context, which... It's pretty nasty, Isaiah. Um, and that's in Isaiah 64. Uh, the main one I want to look at, Romans 3, 9 through 20, okay. if you want to pull that up. It says, uh, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All who have tu- all have turned away. Together they have become worthless, and no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and the paths are ruin and mercy mm. or misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. All right, so basically that's, uh, that's Paul making the case, and Romans is his whole case of salvation by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on Rome, uh, in Romans, Paul is talking about the total depravity of man. And actually, Romans 1 through 3, he makes this case that Gentiles are completely uh, condemned to death, and so are Jews. Yeah. Jews aren't saved by the law. It's really cool the way he outlines Romans, you know, because like Romans 1 is basically about the Gentiles, right? About the pagans, about those that are given to their lustful lust. desires. And they just yep. and so it's kind of like and there's this whole list of think people who will not inherit the kingdom of God at the right. end of it, and so it's like if you read Romans one all by itself, it could mean all kinds of different things to all kinds of different sure. people. But then in chapter two, he does the same thing, but with the Jews, he's yeah. like, "Are we any better?" And then he starts to explain why the Jews are even worse because they know the law yeah. and still transgress it. Right. And uh, and so then you get to chapter 3, which basically says the bottom line is we're all goofed up. That's right. The 
the uh, the pinnacle thing being there's none righteous, no, not one. No one mm-hmm. seeks after God. We're we're open pits. Yeah. When he, when he describes people like that, you you tend to go, well, I'm not, I'm not that horrible. Right. But the reality is, is you are that horrible. And we've used the analogy before. You know, right now Blakely is in daycare and uh, she's become the bully of the class from for some stupid reason. <laughs> and. She's so mean. Right. Whenever, you know, <laughs> whenever I take her to the daycare, the teacher will go, you know, Bl- you know, Blakely hit a kid the other day, and then she's, she's biting and stuff. And I'm like, well, correct her, you know, do that. But, I, you know, she looks at me accusingly, and I'm like, listen, I, I didn't teach her that. <laughs> she She's born into that. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. If I could help that in any way, I would. I, you know, and I'll try my best to correct that behavior, but the reality is... When another is, kid comes and takes your toy, you bite them. Yes. See, this is what you do. <laughs> you know? I didn't do that, and I feel horrible about it. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's the case of total depravity right there. I mean, mm-hmm. and we see it in our, um, in our newborns. It's nuts. Um, but in the midst of our total depravity... We need to understand the other side of the coin, God's love. And this is a big thing. This week, this past, uh, the week before, the more I looked at grace, I had to look at love. And I had to look at God's love and how how God loves us and the, mm-hmm. the lengths that God went to get us. So there's another quote by Martin Luther. See, this is what it means to have a proper grasp of the gospel. That is of the overwhelming goodness of God, which neither prophet nor apostle nor angel was ever able fully to express, and which no heart could adequately fathom or marvel at. This is the great fire. And I love how Martin Luther describes it as a fire, because a fire out of control, there's no stopping, right? Mm. It's something that consumes everything. Right. He describes God's love as a great fire of the love of God for us, whereby the heart and conscience become happy, secure, and content. This is what it means to preach the Christian faith. Um, and so, um ton of different analogies that I've stolen from other pastors, and I'll, I'll put out here. First one... Because I, no one else has ever preached no, on sola gratia. Exactly. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> linchpin. So... uh there's a really good story by, um, I think it was David Platt. I think it was in the book Radical. You can fact check that, that and tell awesome me if I'm book. wrong. Yes, it's a really good book. But in the middle of it, he talks about how um, he and a Jewish man and a Muslim were having a conversation. And the Jewish man basically said, you know, all our religions are pretty much the exact same thing. And David Platt said, how, how so? And... Um, and the guy's like, well, God's on top of a mountain and our goal is to get to God. And so we all find our own route. You have your route, which is your Christian faith. I have my route, which is my Jewish faith. And this man has, has his route, which is the Muslim faith. And the Muslim's like, yeah, that's, that's true. And David Platt said, no, it's fundamentally not true. He said, what are you talking about? Well, in your in your faith, your goal is to get to God. Um, but in my faith, God 
came down the mountain, realized we couldn't get to him, came down the mountain and carried us back up to him. Right. It's the fundamental difference. Yeah. This whole idea of, of God's all-surpassing love that takes care of everything. So Sinclair Ferguson um, did a, a sermon about the measure of love, <clears throat> and he said that all love can be rated on these three things, which I thought was really <laughs> cool and fun. The first one is how good the lover the second one is how unworthy the thing being loved. And the third one is how great the display of love. So the first one, how good the lover. Well, if we were to rate God's love for us, is there anyone higher than God in this universe? And the scripture screams out, not. no, there's there's nothing higher. Right. There's nothing more perfect. God is perfection itself. He is love, yeah. He's, he's, he's everything. Um, if you look in Isaiah 6, you see angels 24 hours a day, seven days a week, flying around, screaming out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's nothing like him. Yeah. He's perfection at its, at its best. So how good is a lover? Well, the lover is the best lover. Mm -hmm. So how unworthy is the thing being loved? Well, we've just discussed that. Yeah, if you look at the news this past week, yeah. the very first thing that jumps out at you, we're, we're recording this on um, the week after the Sunday absolute bloodbath that happened in Las Vegas that took 58 lives and... Injured up to 600, roughly. Uh, in, yeah, so. injured up to 600 people. We look at the whole controversy with the flag and kneeling, right? Mm -hmm. We see all these crazy headlines going on right now. We have a victory in that we've just, most states have just banned abortion past 20 weeks, and we consider that a victory. Right. Okay? We are messed up people. We are completely depraved. Totally messed up people. So how unworthy is the thing being loved? I would say that we're the most unworthy. Yeah. And the reason is, is simply because we reject perfection uh, when God offered it and to we us to begin with. grasp a hold of the imperfect yes. and the disgusting, actually. Right. Yeah. We were prostitutes. We're whores out for when we have a banquet out for fast food, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous. It's disgusting. Right. And so we're totally unworthy. So how good is a lover? He's perfect. How unworthy is a thing? What's the most unworthy? How great the display of love. Well, John fifteen thirteen says this. Um, this is Jesus talking. Greater mm -hmm. love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. Okay. Greater love has no one than this than he who would lay down his life for his friend. If we look at John 3.16, which is the most famous scripture in all the world, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The, hinge, the hinging on is, For God so loved the world. The very people that we've been talking about who are all messed up, he loves them. Mm -hmm. He loved... He loved this this may seem like a blasphemous statement, and you may not like it, but he loved that man standing in that hotel room who was shooting yeah. his creation. Mm -hmm. He loved that man. There is nobody on earth that God does not love. Right. 
he loves the world. Which is so hard for us to even get our heads around. Yeah. Because there's so many people we just can't find, we just can't love. Yeah. I mean, we just it's not a natural thing for us to no, understand that. It's it's almost impossible. And if you if you don't believe me in that, we just read greater love is no one than this he lays down his life for his friend. But the Bible tells us that God did one step further than that. Mm-hmm. If you look in Romans 5, 6 through 8, let's read that. Okay, it says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we weren't even God's friends. No. We we had turned, spit in his face, turned away from him, and rejected him. And while we were still sinners, yeah. Christ died for verse, us. Verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Yes, we are enemies of God, which is a big deal, right? We're enemies of God, so there is a greater love. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever somebody would lay down their life for an enemy, I I couldn't lay down my life for my enemy. If somebody was shooting a gun at my wife or my child, I'd gladly jump in front, take Mm -hmm. a bullet. Not a problem. Or open fire. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Take that person. (laughs) But... If it were my enemy, mm. would I step in front of a bullet for that person? Heck no. <laughs> that's that's just my human nature. It's right. sad, but that's the truth. You would at least give it enough pause that you'd miss the bullet. You'd miss the opportunity. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh. Oh, if I'd have thought just I a little a, quicker. I had a chance to be like Jesus there. Oh, I man, totally I, blew that. I could have done something good. Oh, and that's the great and glorious gospel of Jesus, mm-hmm. that he chose to die for us while we we're sinners. And that is what God's grace is. Martin Luther says, our salvation must exist not in our righteousness. It mu- Let me repeat that, must exist not in our righteousness, because we've shown you that we're not righteous, but in Christ's righteousness, mm. in his righteous work of love. Let his righteousness and grace, not yours, be your refuge. And what is so funny is, you know, that's a concept that I had a hard time growing up with. Like, I, I felt like we had to get our own righteousness, right? And even though uh, I was taught, you know, you were forgiven on the cross, you still had to make your own righteousness, basically. Yeah. Like, the second half of the transaction on the cross was was just kind of forgotten or, or left out. But it's so, like, it's so patterned all throughout the Old Testament— it was like the righteousness that was that the Israelites received was imposed on them. That's right. They didn't have it to begin with. They they never were righteous people. They, you know, sure they would come to God and they would celebrate when he did things good for them, but then they would wander off again. Totally blow it. They'd forget about it and, and blow it. And you know, time. that's why they had the day of atonement happening once a year right. where the innocence of this lamb was then translated over to them. Mm. Like their righteousness was gotten by something else, not their own power. Right. It was imputed righteousness. It yes. Was, it was placed upon them, right? Mm-hmm. It was justification. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, this Romans 4 and 5. <laughs> yes, and we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, 
So this this grace is a it's described over and over in, in scriptures a free gift. Um, Ephesians two eight and nine for by grace you're saved through faith that not of yourselves is a gift from God lest any man should boast. Right, right. We know that one. Uh, look at Romans five fourteen through twenty one. Okay, it says, um, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God, and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trans- trespass brought condemnation but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Not the law. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So over and over and over again. Very plain. Yes, it's extremely (laughs) plain. But over and over over again, you hear this free gift, free gift, free gift. So what Paul is doing there is actually comparing Adam to Jesus, Mm -hmm. Jesus being the second Adam, we're born into sin because of Adam's stupidity. The first fruits of death, the first fruits of life. And Jesus gives us the first fruits of life. And this is a free gift. So, um, you know, I uh, I liken this to Christmas morning, the best gift I ever got when I was a kid, uh, six years old, I believe. I need to ask Dad. I think I was six. And uh, we were living in Prague, Oklahoma, in a little trailer house. My parents had no money to their name. My dad was a pastor and going to school full time. My mom worked in a jean factory, um, and had, we had two kids. They had two kids that were, you know, me and my sister was just two years older. And so life was tough. It was a lot of work, and um, they barely scraped by. We would get groceries every once in a while from neighbors and mm-hmm. stuff. That's just how it worked. Anyways, so. My favorite gift ever, I came down Christmas morning and I saw the long package and I knew right away what it was. It was my first gun. It was a BB gun, right? It, was, it wasn't It was a Red Rider. It was a Daisy BB gun. <laughs> <laughs> but I did shoot myself with it. Um, I went outside. I had a big winter coat on, so I didn't even really feel it. But I shot at a, a mattress right? and it bounced right back and hit me. And uh, <laughs> You'll shoot your eye Exactly. Shoot. So I lived through that. But uh, anyways, you know... I just remember the joy <laughs> of receiving that gift yeah. and knowing that was mine and not having, it's not like I went and grabbed that gift and my dad said, okay, so that'll be $20 yeah, because that's how much or it do was these at Walmart. Chores. Yes. If you do those chores, then you, I didn't earn that gift. I was a little rascal with ADHD. I didn't deserve that <laughs> gift. I had a 
sister was two years older. Who's to say I wasn't going to use that gun on her, right? <laughs> but the reality is, is I was just given that gift freely. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I did to earn it. And that's what this whole message of, of this free gift, it's a free gift over and over. It's free, free, free. Um, salvation is given freely through his sacrifice mm-hmm. on the cross. And it's something that he went to great lengths to do. And it's interesting. I want to focus on this word alone again, at sola. Yeah. Um, in that, uh, as Romans 4 tells us, that if there is any work that is required, then all of a sudden it stops being a gift. Mm. So that's how we can say it's by grace alone. Yes. Because anytime it's not alone... If there's any work required whatsoever, any work, then you've just ruined the definition of grace. Right. Because grace in and of itself defined is unearned merit right. that is given to you. Uh, it, it, and it truly is a gift simply by its own accord. So like um, in Romans 4, verse 4, it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Yes. So the so this whole idea of it happening alone, of course, we'll talk about how one alone can work with other alones. Absolutely. When we get to the source. But salvation itself is through this free gift of grace, and there is no, there is no exception. Right, it's Jesus plus nothing, nothing equals equals everything. everything. That's right. And uh, at this point, it'd be really important to point out um, antinomianism versus legalism, because a lot of people they get they get their wires crossed when they hear this, and you're saying, so you're saying I can do whatever I want, and as long as I take that free gift, I'm free. You know, I'm saved. I'm going to quote ourselves over and over on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it depends on what you want. Exactly. <laughs> Are you being changed because of yeah. this gift? Well, okay. So first off, let, let's talk about uh, antinomianism. Those who receive God's gift realize that they are beggars at his doorstep. Mm-hmm. They realize that there's nothing they can bring to this party. They simply have to show up to it. Okay? But... The thing is, is if you're really questioning that, I don't know if you've really understood it. Okay, let's go back to your to your BB gun for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Did you did you respect the gun less because you didn't earn it, <laughs> or did you enjoy it less? Because, no, not no, at all. You in, did you love your dad less because you didn't earn it? No, no, I loved him more. Right. So that's the same, that is this whole argument sure. about whether it's greasy grace and I can do whatever and it, none of it matters. The reality is, is if, if, you've, if you realize the grace, then it naturally changes you into you a person. Gift. That's right. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit indwells you mm-hmm. and you start to follow Christ as Lord and Savior and as the father of your life. Yeah. It's a big deal. So in order to understand this grace, and <clears throat> we, uh, we misread this term. So I'm going to use um, Tim St. Clair, who was a great pastor who I 
traveled around with in life action for a couple of years said this to me and one one night just caught me and every time i say it i end up crying at some point <laughs> but the idea of god's grace i got some Kleenex. yes <laughs> the idea of god's grace goes like this um and this is not my analogy but it helps me understand it so much more imagine you break into somebody's house um and that person and their wife are asleep and and they have a little boy Right, and you're you're rifling through that little boy stuff, and he wakes up, and you panic, and you pull a trigger, and you shoot that kid, and, and you kill him, and you escape, and you run, but the police catch you, okay? Imagine you're sitting in that jail cell. Now, revenge would be that man coming to the jail and killing you, mm-hmm. and that's naturally what, if somebody broke in and killed Blakely, my natural inclination is to go kill that guy. Right. Period. He, he doesn't deserve to live. He's done. He he hurt me. I'm going to hurt him. Mob justice. Exactly. That's revenge. Justice would be going and making sure that, that man received the highest penalty he could for the, the crime that he committed, mm-hmm. which is what, what our government's based off of. Justice is not a bad thing. We have to have justice in this yeah. government. That's, that's a good thing. And God has justice as well. That's right. He does. So that's justice, receiving the penalty for what you, the crime you The committed. wages of sin. That's death. right. Um, forgiveness would be me going and going to that jail cell and saying, listen, I know you killed my kid, but I forgive you, and I'm going to try to help you out in getting out of jail. Mm-hmm. That would be forgiveness. And that's where most people stop with grace, and they think that that's what that God did. He forgave yeah. us. But it goes way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. God's grace would be that man going to that cell, cell, dropping all charges, if that were possible, dropping all charges, getting you out of prison, taking you to his house, walking into that little boy's room and saying, you are now my son. I am replacing my son with you. Mm. You are going to grow up in my house. I'm going to make sure that you get the best education and everything you've taken care of. I'm going to make sure you eat your food. I'm going to make sure that you are 100% loved and taken care of for the rest of your life. That's, that's the grace of God, which is so unfathomable, Yeah, so is- unbelievable that it is hard to realize. Mm-hmm. That's the love that God has for us. Yeah. And while we were still enemies, Christ died for us so that to he make, could... To make us heirs with him. <laughs> ransom us mm-hmm. as sons and daughters <clears throat> of the living God. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Purely amazing. It is. And, and it's only by his goodness and his grace that we're able to even have that. And so... It's, it was a much-needed argument that Martin Luther made, and it's still a much-needed argument that mm-hmm. we need to make today. Christianity is different from every other every other religion in that it's the grace of God that saves us. Martin Luther also said in the uh, commentary of Galatians that grace is an unnatural uh, concept. Mm. Man doesn't gravitate to grace naturally. They gravitate to works because everything is risk and reward in this life. Everything is you work and you earn it. You work hard. Mm. You get your degree. You become 
a lawyer, you become a doctor, uh, you work hard, you get to start on the football team. Uh, you, I mean, everything is based on your ability to work hard. To earn it. To <laughs> earn a position. Yeah. Uh, you, don't, you don't get uh, a high GPA because you walked in and failed every test, right? You have to uh, excel. You have to earn right. those grades. And so Mar- what Martin Luther was saying is he's like, grace is not a natural inclination of man. And he said in about every 100 years, someone's going to have to stand up and remind us all that salvation <sighs> comes grace. by grace. Yes. Because 100%. we will lose it mm. if we don't. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's about all I got. You want to hear some news? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do some news if I can find the button. And now, the news. First and foremost on the news on my heart is that whole massacre in Las Vegas. My wife's from Mesquite, uh, which is where the shooter was from. She had friends who were around there at that time, and uh, it was just a heartbreaking thing. It's it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst modern day massacre on her. So we need to uh, in the United States. So we need to be praying now, regardless of what stupid political side you line up on, or you know. Humans are humans, and they need our love. And so, did you see the Babylon B article about about it? Uh, I saw a couple. Yeah, well, they have several. The one that I thought was was the most interesting one was the one that said uh, that uh, um, we have to use this opportunity to get our political views. <laughs> Across, like, yeah, <laughs> like that's the whole point of the. We can't let this opportunity of this tragedy go by, us, yeah. where we have to actually make it about our own ad- agenda. Agenda. Our own. That's the sad thing, but that is uh, what many people are doing. So let let us as the theonauts just encourage you to shut up <laughs> and uh, and your social media friends. You know, you're not going to enlighten them any. That's right. So <laughs> the best thing to do, and you may see post some posts cat pictures that, on your social media, that's right. and, and quit, you know, pontificating. Right. And that's the thing. You may see some some articles that may irk you or get up your ire. Don't just show the love uh, of Christ and pray for them. Here's the headline of the one I was talking about: Tragedy forces every American to ask how they can bend the facts to support their preferred narrative. <sighs> so sad. <laughs> All right, so some good news, bittersweet news. The House of Repu- uh, uh, Representatives, Republicans, the, well, they are Republicans. The House of Representatives has passed a 20-week abortion ban. This week, U.S. House of Representatives passed new legislation that would make almost all abortions after a mother has been pregnant for 20 weeks illegal. The, the measure has exceptions for cases of rape or incest or if doctors determine that the mother's life is at risk. Bill is called the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act because it advocate, its advocates say that 20-week-old uh, fetus has developed enough to feel physical pain. Wow. <laughs> it's just crazy to me if this is a victory. Yeah. But it's a victory. I'll take it. It's a it. small victory. Yes, it is. And praise the Lord for it. You know, there will be babies saved because of this mm-hmm. if it goes through. Right. Which President Trump has said he's going to sign. So, you know, it should go home. Um, a pastor is threatening to smash a Christmas monument to Satan with a sledgehammer. <laughs> 
It's that time of year again for families come together, homes are adorned with twinkling lights, children excitingly make lists of presents they hope to see under the tree, and pastors in Florida openly threaten to smash monuments to Satan with a sledgehammer. <laughs> the latest war on Christmas dust-up comes from us from... Uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Is that how do how do I say that? No, Boca Raton, Boca Raton, Florida, where the city will allow a six foot tall blood red pentagram with the phrases "In Satan We Trust," "One Nation Under Antichrist," and "May the Children (laughs) Hail Satan" to be erected in a city square. Ah, the holidays. Does anyone take that seriously? I don't know. I mean, come on, don't get offended by that. Stupid. It's an application from a local teacher and atheistic Satanist. Preston Smith, I can't believe he's a teacher, was recently approved by city officials. The Boca Raton City Council member told CBS 12, this is not consistent with my particular values, but free speech means people have an opportunity to express themselves, whether government likes it or not, or whether individuals like it or not. The same teacher will also be erecting a freedom from religion nativity scene. However... One local resident is taking his displeasure in a display, uh, is ma- is taking his displeasure at the display to an entirely different level. Pastor Mark Boykin, senior pastor of Church of All Nations, invited the local news to his church to see the sledgehammer he is planning on using to smash the monument. <laughs> he explained, "It's evil. It's the essence of evil. I will take the responsibility for taking the sledgehammer, and knocking it down." He said, also calling it a welcome mat for Satan. Satanic groups have recently used the tactic of erecting monuments to Satan as a way of showcasing that the view is unconstitutional favoritism towards Christianity by governments that allow nativity displays during the holidays. Many of them don't actually believe in literal Satan or even the supernatural. As the city's mayor explained, we can't say no to this as offensive as it is. Our They're, lawyers... This is what they want. Said whatever... Yeah, they just want They attention. want attention. If you don't <laughs> shut up so and ignore it, Seriously. it would go away. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No one means this. They're not trying, they're trying to get you riled up. Right. That's the goal. It's like, come see the sledgehammer. It's like when I was a child and I used to just pick at my brother just to make him scream. Like that was my goal. I wanted to make him holler. (laughs) Once I made him holler, then it was achieved. Right. Game over. Because then we'd both get spanked. Sure. Dad was like, I'm spanking you for hollering and I'm spanking you for making him holler. But hey. Wow. So, some very interesting developing news that's happening on our home front in Dallas, Texas. The Village Church, the multi-site Texas megachurch <clears throat> led by Matt Chandler, will transition from several campuses, so they're multi-site church, right. across the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex to individual autonomous churches within the next five years, leaving behind a multi-site model for a deeper commitment to local ministry and church planting. That's pretty cool. Yay. Good job, Matt. Congratulations. Village expanded to a total of six campuses since Chandler became senior pastor 15 years ago, including one location, the Village Church uh, Denton, that spun off in 2015. Last Sunday, Yeah, they Chandler- were the first one that did their oh, yeah. this autonomy thing, right? Right. Because they were their own yeah. self-governed. Exactly, and now it's going to be... So last Sunday, Chandler announced plans for the remaining five campuses to do the same by 2022 pending a member's vote uh, at each location. Village will not launch any future campuses, and the churches will roll out new names, original preaching, and more contextualized ministry program. Wow, that's so awesome. I'm so proud of him. Good work, Matt Chandler. All right, that makes me want to go join your church. 
I'm joking. All right. Islam is most official, but Christianity is most favored worldwide. Worldwide, More than 40% of the world's countries have an official or preferred state religion, according to a study released today by the Pew Research Center. Pew surveyed 199 churches, uh, our countries, to ascertain which were publicly in favor of religion and which religions they favor. Researchers weighed not only constitutions, laws, and policies, but also actions taken for or against religious groups. The most popular official state religion is Islam, which is named in the constitutions or basic laws of 27 countries. That's 63% of the 43 countries that officially designated a religion. Hmm. Hmm. Many of those countries lie in the hmm. Middle East and North Africa. In fact, Le- uh, Lebanon is the only one of in the region not to have an official or preferred religion. In some cases, state religions have more roles than are largely ceremonial, Pew Research stated. But often, the distinction comes with tangible advantages in terms of legal or tax status, ownership of real estate or other property, and access to financial support from the state. Having a, a declared religious preference also meant that those countries tend to be more severely uh, tend to more severely regulate religious practices, including placing restrictions or bans on minorities. So, that yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's not crazy; it's normal. <laughs> Islam wants to take over the world, so what so does you, Christianity. What do you want to do today, Pinky? Take over the world. All right, and Same today in church day. history. Oh, I got to find the button. Oh, where where are you, TARDIS? I've totally lost my buttons. There we go. There it is. Missing me some Doctor Who right now. How many Bibles do you have in your house? How many do you have, David? Oh, my. Uh, I'm going to say at least 20. I probably have a good 10 at least. Yeah. For many of us, Bibles are easily accessible, and many of us have several. That we have the Bible in English owes much to William Tyndale. Sometimes called the father of the English Bible, 90% of the King James Version of the Bible and at least 75% of the Revised Standard Version are from the translation of the Bible into English made by William Tyndale. Yet Tyndale himself was burned at the stake for his work on this day. Actually, it's tomorrow, October 6th, Mm. 1536. His dying words... Lord, please open the eyes of the King of England. Mm. Six months later, the Matthews Bible was authorized yeah, baby. to be that's uh, awesome. printed in English. What is a, that's the quote over there. That's the Tyndale quote, right? Yes. Uh, if God spare my life ere many years, I will make a boy who drives the plow to know more of the Scripture than you do. He's talking to a monk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he was strangled and then burned at the stake. Yep. Wonderful. For his awesome contribution to Christendom. Yep. He was one of the greatest reformers. I, I love that reformer. Yeah. And he actually, um, he was a um, contemporary to Martin Luther. He was. He didn't agree with, with all of Martin Luther's, well... But Martin Luther didn't agree with all of his followers either. Right. And that was part of Tyndale's... Tyndale did not like the uprising yeah. that occurred because of it. Yeah. He was a pa- he was more of a pacifist. pacifist. And Martin Luther originally didn't want an uprising. He wanted to stay in the church yeah. and reform it. 
That's mm-hmm. why it's called the Reformation <laughs> instead of the Revolt. Right. <laughs> but anyways, that's it, man. Awesome. I'm done. We got any voicemail or anything? No, man. It's been really <laughs> dry, really, really quiet lately. You guys out there? I mean, anyone listening? Maybe this uh, will spark some th- controversy. There's a few people listening. So, yeah. um, and oh, I did have. Um, let's see. Sam Bobo uh, commented on. Hey Bobo! Hey Bobo! <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was talking about our um, our list of songs yes. and favorite bands and stuff. Oh He's yes, I saw that. Listen to that. Yeah, and he he uh, mentioned a, a band. I actually pulled down one of their albums. Um, I don't have it pulled up right here. Um, but anyway, I liked it. Okay, it was your standard Christian rock stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't I haven't got the chance to dive into it too much, but anyway, good suggestion there. Got yeah. it on my playlist. See, I love Apple Music, man. It's just like it's so fun. Yeah, compared, like, you know, it's crazy. It's night and day from when we were kids. We have all this music just. At it's our good and bad, actually, because you see, like me growing up. You'd save up your money. You'd go buy your vinyl record album, and right? And you'd devour it. Yes. And you'd sit right there next to the phonograph and listen to it all the way through. Flip it over. Right. Listen to the other side. Flip it over. Listen to it again. And you would know every deep cut. Yeah. And you would just, you would like learn the album. Right. And it gave birth to all these concept albums where there was a theme happening through the, it was just all these liner notes. You're reading them. I mean, it was just a different culture. Sure. With and now it's like you have to have at least that one or two songs that it, has everything's the, a single that has the punch. Um, I, in fact, I saw a thing that I think I sent it to you. Oh yeah. About how almost every hit song today is written by like two guys. There's like right. two or three guys that write all the songs right. that you're listening to on the radio, and they're force fed to you. And, and the quality of the music just is not what it's it all a formula now to be. Yep. And because that's you're going to hear thousands of songs, and they got to make it stick. They right. got to get one that has punch that just grabs you, and then you go buy that one song, but you don't really care what the rest of the album's like. Right. And so we're consuming so much of it now. It's yeah. just kind of lost its. It's kind of like movie, going to movies too. You know, mm-hmm. we we're inundated with streaming media. We don't need to actually go to the theater anymore. Right. Where it used to be a big event, you know, when I was a kid, you was you couldn't see that movie anywhere except yeah. for the theater. Movies are trying, theaters are trying desperately to keep relevant. Yeah, that doing one night events. Yeah, and, all yeah. that stuff. It's crazy. So, all right, you want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. You have your script. The Theonauts. I do. Are part of the Great Commission Transmission. I'm going to read your side. Part of the Great Commission Transmission right, Network. Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, to go uh, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonotspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. That reminds me of us some more feedback. 
We did have some feedback where one of our listeners suggested we put links to these songs that we're talking about oh. in the show notes. So sorry we didn't do that. Yeah. But we'll do better in the future. Definitely. Uh, your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want to uh, want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at Patreon.com slash Theonaut. Your patronage helps our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. Thanks for being here, David. Thanks, Jeremiah. <laughs> this has been the Theonauts Podcast. <laughs> so backwards. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Love to you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. My only fear is the uh, milk drinkers in my congregation. Is this meat going to be too much for them to swallow? <laughs>